Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. And it has been a series that is just so deep on my heart. There's this... um, what I've been feeling lately, and God has given me a word, and the word is depth, and this longing for Glory Church to be a place where when people come in, they see people that aren't just surface level. It's, it's much deeper than that. They find people that know each other, that are there for each other, that, that will meet together and, and get to know the deepest, darkest parts so that we can give it to God. And I believe that if we do that as a church, then when people come in, it's going to be a lot easier for them to feel comfortable because they feel and see people that are authentic and real. And I'm excited about that. And I think that we do a decent job of that already. But I feel like God is speaking that so specifically in this upcoming season. And so just throwing that out there, if you want to join me in that, call somebody this week, whatever, get to know somebody better. That would be great. But the past two messages of this Testify series, uh, Greg has hit me, just hit me with some stuff. And two weeks ago, he talked about the half-truth of the gospel, how many of us believe that the gospel is simply redemption, where it's Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life so that we could have eternal life. And that's a half-truth. Because not only did he do that, and it's amazing that he did that, but he invited us into a kingdom. He redeemed, but then he also adopted. And many times we forget the adoption part. We forget that we are called to bring people into this kingdom. It didn't stop with salvation for us. It wasn't what like many people will call a fire escape. You know, have you ever heard that term before? A fire escape away from hell. It wasn't just that. God is about relationship. And so thank you, Greg, for speaking that. And last week, he used that little TikTok phrase, if you heard of it, and he said, what is it, Greg, can you remind me right now? It's blanking in my head. Yeah, tell me you're a Christian without telling me you're a Christian. Have any of you guys seen that? Some of us? I, Jeremy was the only one who raised his hand, so thank you, Jeremy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, and uh, this, th- it's like talking to this feeling in our hearts that, or what we tell outwardly to escape things that are uncomfortable, we say that we can show people Jesus just by how we act and not by how we speak. And if we, I was to think about people looking at me, that's a, that's a, that's a lot to try to attain, to, to be, is to be like Jesus enough so that people see Jesus in me. I am never going to exemplify in myself a holy God, ever. Not on this earth. I will never be a picture of that. So if I were to believe that people could simply look at me and look at my life and see Jesus and that that was enough, I'm believing a lie. And the enemy wants me to believe that so that people don't come to know God. And I'm excited to continue on with this because I feel like it's just like flowing in a certain way. And I think it's going to be good. Have you guys ever been in class? Some of you are kind of removed from school. Maybe you're in school right now. But you're sitting in class, maybe it's a math class or whatever, something, think of whatever class is boring to you, okay? Math was boring for me. 
And you kind of just sit there, and you're trying to listen to the lecture for a while, but you ever have those teachers that are just like up at the board the whole time, and it feels like they're just going over stuff that like you kind of know, but you don't have the effort to try and like understand fully. And maybe it's like right before lunch, and you're sitting there. And what I do, I don't know about for you guys, I will just zone in on like a part of the wall, and like everything like gets blurry. Have you ever found yourself doing that? Yeah, okay, thank you. It's not just me. Um, and I'll just be sitting there, I'll be like, man, uh, I'm hoping that lunch is good today. And I'm just thinking through all these things. And then all of a sudden, I'll feel everybody's eyes on me, right? And guess what? I was asked a question, but I have no idea what the question is, you know? And, it, and it, for me, I have anxiety already. So to be like called out like that, for me to not have a good answer, that's stressful to me. So I can feel like my ears turning red, like, like I just, the temperature's going up. And the reason that is so stressful for me is because something that was once general, something that I felt like I could take a back seat to, has now turned into something personal. Today we're talking about a story in the Bible that for many of us we know and we enjoy, but maybe we've never made it personal. Many times when we sit in church, it's easy to listen and to get excited, but all along we're kind of in the back seat. We're just listening. And then on Monday things change. So today my challenge is that as we go into this story, would you look and want to know personally what God wants to say to you? Don't allow it to be general. Don't allow for you to just get the surface. Go deep and say, God, you are a God of change. I desire change in my life. What does that look like? And I hope that we can find some of that today. Can we just, uh, we're, if we just want to pray real quick together, and then we'll get into the story. Father, I am so thankful for you, for your word, that you are a God that, that does want change. God, I don't want things to stay the same. Father, I pray that today that all of us in this room would clearly be able to hear your voice. I pray that your voice would speak to our hearts and that it would change us and that from that change that you would lead us out to reach people that don't know you and even to people that know you because the people that know you need to see you as well. And God, we pray that desperately today. Lay it on our hearts we pray that everything that I say, everything that we're thinking, any of the rest of this service, that it would honor and glorify you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you open your Bibles, whatever kind of Bible you got? Um, it is Luke chapter 5, I believe. I don't even have it written down. But Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 17. And somebody correct me if that's not the right chapter. But we good? Okay. Luke 5, chapter 17, and uh, I talked about this in our huddle this morning before we started, and I didn't give anybody a clue of what it was because I wanted it to be a surprise because I love this story. Um, my mother and Jada and, and Lexi have all heard me speak on this before because I think it's a story that is easy to apply to ourselves, and we'll read it together. It says, on one of those days, as he was teaching, he being Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee 
and Judea, and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise. And I love that because I love that because he says, these people have been saying this thing. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he arose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God. And we're filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. One of my favorite parts of this story is that we don't know anything about these guys, right? All that we have here is some men. You know what I think that helps us do is when we, whenever we see somebody in the Bible that we know a lot about their backstory, about how educated they are, about how well that they know Jesus, many times we can see that and we can feel like I could never live up to that. So it's hard for us to put ourselves in those shoes. But today we don't have that excuse because all we got is some men. And it doesn't matter even the gender, it could be some women, it just happened to be men here. The Bible says some men. And in my head, since I don't know anything about them, I love to create my own, you know, version of the story in my head, like this is how it was. So today I'm going to imagine these guys as just some friends, right? They're boys, okay? And so they've had a friend for a long time that has been paralyzed. And they believe in God. They believe in the Torah, which is God's law. And all of a sudden they hear about a man who is going around healing people. And they go up to their friend who's paralyzed. And they say, hey, I'm not sure what this is. I'm not sure if it's actually the Messiah. But if there's a chance for healing for you, why don't we give it a shot? And they say, I hear he's meeting at this specific house. Let's get you on your bed. We'll carry you there, and we're going to go see what this Jesus of Nazareth has to offer. And they put him on the bed, and they start walking up. And in my message today, you can write this down. It's the reasons that we don't testify right now. It's the reasons that we struggle to testify. And we're moving into point one. As they walk up, I picture them going up a hill. And before they even see the house where Jesus is at, I imagine that they hear something. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of commotion. 
And they come up this hill, and I picture them coming out and seeing this huge crowd. The first reason that I have today for why we struggle to testify is the size of the crowd. Imagine they come over this hill and they see all these people and their expectations of how they were going to meet Jesus are changed. Have you ever had an expectation for how you're going to invite somebody to church? How you're going to express who God is to them and then things change up a little bit? There's a big crowd. There's this thing or whatever happens that didn't go the way that you planned. And I think that many times, whenever we see obstacles, we view that as God saying it's not right now, instead of how about we find the roof. So today, my first challenge is, if we see an obstacle, are we pressing deeper and saying, God, is this something that you want me to back off, or more likely, is it, should I find another way? Is their healing important enough, God? for me to look for another option. You guys ever have that friend that just like says silly stuff? Like that they just, it's just that one that's like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, like what, what is that? And I imagine that they're sitting there and they see, so here they're sitting and they can't even see Jesus, right? Okay, because Jesus is inside the house. There's a crowd going out the door and they're like, man, tomorrow, I got this planned, I got this. We don't even know if Jesus is going to be here tomorrow. Like, what are we going to do? Like, we want you to have healing, but I don't know what that looks like. And that dude that's in your friend group that's just, like, always saying stupid stuff, he's, like, over in the side, and he's like, why don't we just go up on the roof, you know? Why don't we just try the roof? And they're all like, yeah, let's take paralyzed Percy and throw him up on the roof, right? It's like, What? And they reason, and they're like, how else are we going to get to Jesus? And they end up talking through it, and they have two options. Either we can be okay with my friend not being transformed right now, or we can choose the roof. And they decide, all right. They look at him, and they're like, all right, bro, uh, you haven't walked, at least for, I don't know if he had ever walked before, but he hadn't walked for a long time. Say, you haven't been walking, but you're about to be flying because we're throwing you up on the roof, right? We're going to have to get you up there. And I want us to look at something. Have you, there's just like, whenever obstacles come up, whenever things happen, whenever you're trying to get people to know Jesus, there are always going to be things that stand in your way. And I want to remind you of the people that, the, that, com, that comprise the crowd, right? They're Pharisees and religious leaders. What do we know about Pharisees and religious leaders? That they're very law and image-oriented. They don't even like you doing anything on the Sabbath, all these little rules. How do you think they feel about a, that, them seeing guys throwing a paraplegic up the roof? How do you think they feel about that? Yeah, no, they, they looked down on that. And so I want you to write this down, and I hope that we have the slide. Write down it was reckless, ridiculous, reprehensible, that means frowned upon, and rewarded. It was reckless, ridiculous, reprehensible, 
but it was also rewarded. Because when they finally got down to Jesus, after all the struggle of going over the roof, I want you to look at what Jesus says, and you can look back at your Bible. I don't know if Jesus said anything before it, but they didn't list it. They came straight down. Jesus looked at them and said, forgiven. Immediately. Forgiven. You guys know the show Wipeout? Some of us? Yes. Okay. I love that show. Okay. And I want, I don't know if it's still going, but I want to be on that show. Okay. So Wipeout is basically this show where they, they literally just take the quirkiest people that you can think of, like the weirdest, like, guys and gals, and they put them on the show, and they share all this weird stuff about them, and basically, you just see them get, like, pummeled the whole time, and they're trying to make it at the end of this obstacle course, but, like, it's, like, soft stuff, so it doesn't actually hurt them, but, well, it probably does hurt a little bit, yeah, but, so, so you watch the show, and the thing that I love about it, and why I want to be on it, is it's not just your regular, like, course. You're not just trying to do it to like get a prize at the end. The reason I want to be on there is because I want to get hit by all that stuff and like get padded up and just like, wouldn't that be exciting? Maybe it's just for me. But the cool part and the reason I'm making this reference is because I would love to do that, not because of the destination, but the journey's a big part too. And I think when they drop down, and they see, Jesus sees this man lowering. He doesn't need any more words from them. He doesn't need for them to speak anything. They're at their destination. He says the journey was enough to prove your faith. And I think many times we are so scared of the journey. We're scared at work to talk about who God is because it seems reckless because people view it as ridiculous. It's reprehensible. reprehensible. People frown on it. When your friend or family member or whoever says no to coming to church or coming to this or that or hearing about God, to ask them again would be considered reckless or ridiculous to your relationship. What would happen if Glory Church here in downtown Kansas City was full of people that were willing to be irrational, that were willing to be reckless, that were willing to be ridiculous in order to lift up a God who was willing to be reckless with his own life for you? He looks at these guys and he says it was ridiculous it was reckless, but I rewarded. So today, that was our first point. We look at the size of the crowd. But what if we, what if we move on from that? And get, we get away from the size of the crowd, and we move into something else. I want us to look at the difference between those men and the people in the crowd. For 22, 23, 24 years of my life, I knew about God. I knew about what he said, but I didn't really know him. There was a day where God spoke to me, 
and where I looked to him, and for the first time, I read my Bible, and I allowed the Bible to read me. Leading up to that point, I knew a lot about who God was and what he had done for other people, but I had struggled to experience him. And there, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but there are many times, even in my walk today, where I feel like I'm struggling to experience him. And in this story today, we find these people, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and it's so sad because they're so excited to hear about who Jesus is, but they do it with their own agenda. They want to know who Jesus is so that it fits them. And let me tell you, Jesus isn't a man who fits into what you desire. He molds you into what he desires. And these Pharisees and these religious leaders go thinking that they're going to find this man and figure out how they can get that power, how they can get that status, how they just want to see what's going on. And so we see the difference between these people that go just to see Jesus, and we see some men who didn't care as much about knowing God, but wanted to experience him. And for so many of us, there are so many people, how we can go to church and we can hear about who God is and fail to experience him. So my second point, the reason that we're struggling to testify and talk about God with the people around us is because we're not currently experiencing him. It's the whole, just like that half-truth, that belief that Jesus saving me was enough, but not looking for a relationship. Do you know that when God formed the world, he made man and woman And what he desired most was for relationship. So the whole story that we believe and count on for salvation of Jesus dying on the cross, coming back to life for our salvation, was to restore that relationship that he had so strongly desired. So when God sees people trying to accept the salvation but not desiring to know the relationship with God. He says, you are missing the whole point. I formed you and desired to know you, to walk with you, and you've tried to take me as an escape, but are not desiring to walk with me. Because I gave you life, but I desire not only for life, but for abundance. The abundance is in the relationship with me. And how many of us... Even in ministry, even me with, with a status in the church, even Greg being a pastor, how many times can we try to do things on our own and not in relationship with God? What would happen if we had a whole church here of people that were willing to try out relationship instead of just a fire escape? That relationship, we wouldn't even have to worry as much about the anxiety because God takes that away in relationship. He molds it and uses it. And he speaks even when we're scared about speaking and says, it's okay because I am with you. And the fear is okay because it draws me to you. 
And I want you to write down, I have some, um, I have some different points here. And there, you can write down signs you may be knowing God, but not experiencing him. Do you see this in your life sometimes? The first one is you get excited about God at church, but Monday brings reality. You know how people that, that work like a nine to five, like a, like a normal nine to five, they're like looking forward to the weekend the whole time, right? And they, they live it up on the weekend, enjoy it, Chiefs game, all this, all this fun stuff. And when they go back to work on Monday, they talk amongst themselves and they say, ah, what do they say? Back to reality, right? And I think for many of us in the church, it's so sad because we experience God in worship here on Sunday. We hear a message that stirs our hearts, and then on Monday, it feels like we're back to reality, and let me speak some truth to you today. That's never how God intended it. Because that's not what relationship is. If I were to have a relationship with my wife, and I only feel close to her when I'm around her, when, when I see her, that wouldn't be a good relationship. And it's so common that Monday through Friday and be like, man, I used to live it. I can't wait to get back to church on Sunday because it helps me feel something. And God says, experience me. You know, whenever he came back from the dead and all the disciples are like freaking out and they're like talking amongst each other and they're like, Jesus is back. And then there's Thomas. And what does Thomas say? And he's like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see the scars on his hands. And I love what Jesus does. He comes up and says, Thomas, that's okay. Experience me. And I feel like he's just speaking that over us. I know that when you go back on Monday, you feel like you're back to reality. But he says, reality is experiencing me. Would you feel the scars? Would you know me? Would you experience life with me? And the second one I have written down, signs you may be knowing God but not experiencing him. Your time alone with him is determined by schedule instead of necessity. Your time alone with him is determined by schedule instead of necessity. It's much easier to schedule out a private time with God, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever in the morning, to read our Bible, to go through a Bible plan, it's much harder to look at what Jesus did before the Sermon on the Mount, before he gave his life. He said, he looked at his disciples and he said, guys, a couple of you can go with me. I can go by myself. I have to go before my king because I need him right now. I need him to walk life with him because Jesus wanted, even though he was God, he desired relationship with the Father. He knew that the only way that he could be what he needed to be was to sit with God. And if Jesus, being God already, took time to do that, how much more do we need to do that and to spend time with God? Whenever we're feeling anxiety and nervous about something, whenever we're fearful, whenever something big is coming up at work, God says, I want you to pursue me out of necessity, 
and not a schedule. I heard this, this message. I can't take credit for this, but it was so good. The other day I had to share it. It's about, this, there's a story in the Gospels about a man who is blind. And he comes to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him, and he spits on his eyes, all right? So I'm not going to go into all that, but you can look it up. He spits on his eyes to, like, help him see, right? And the man opens his eyes. He's been blind. And Jesus asks him, this is how, when it kind of changes from a regular miracle, and he's like, what do you see? And the guy's like, um, he's like, like looking around. And this is what he says. It's in the Bible. You can look it up. He says, I see people, but they kind of look like trees. They look like trees. And then Jesus touches him again, and his eyesight is restored. Every time I had read that story, I was like, I don't, I couldn't tell you what this means. I was like, I don't know why that happened. Like, because, because, the hem of Jesus' cloak was enough to heal a lady. So why is Jesus doing, like, the double tap, you know? What? Why? And I heard it in a message, and I was like, oh, my soul, that is good. How many times and how hard is it for after Jesus doing something and transforming something in our lives... How radical is it for us to look at the Savior of the world, and he asks us, what are you seeing right now? And to say, it's still kind of blurry. It's still hard to see. To look at God and to say, after all these things that you've done for me, I still need you. And it's this picture of us never having enough of God. And guess what? That's relationship. That is what relationship looks like. And throughout the week, if God isn't, if we're not hearing God being like, how do you feel? And I'm like, God, things are blurry. Things are hard to see still. I mean, I was blind. I had no idea what was going on for a long time. Thank you for like giving me some semblance, but God, I need you more and more. Things are blurry. Now that I can actually kind of see stuff, I don't even know how to interact with it. I need you daily. And if you don't feel that throughout the week in your life, then you're not experiencing God. And the last one, for signs you may be knowing God but not experiencing him, is things seem the same. That's it. Things just seem the same. And that leads us into our last point. The last reason that we are struggling to testify that I have today, there are so many more, I'm sure, is that we have forgotten what transformation looks like. We've forgotten what it looks like to see a friend that was broken in an addiction far from God, struggling to even exist in the world, and to see God take that away and allow that relationship with God to move them from a place of addiction into a relationship with Him. We've forgotten what it looks like for whenever we're stressed and we're hurting to go before God and say, God, I need you desperately. I need your relationship to mold 
and transform me. We've forgotten what it, what it looks like or sounds like to hear God's voice, to see him working around us, to pray desperately and see the semblance of God moving in our relationships. It is so easy, it is so much easier to live this current life that you are living and to not see God at all than to purposely choose to experience him. And for a moment, I just want to talk about why God is worthy to testify about. Because I think in church, it's so easy for us to talk about all our problems, right, and all the things that we have going on and what we need to do and make a checklist of this or that, and we forget about why we're doing it. These men had no, you know, nest, like exact expectations. They went up to God, and they said, God, I know that you heal. Do what you're going to do. And that's trust in a God who is worthy of our trust. I was recently in Colorado with, with some friends. Brandon owes me $20 because I mentioned that, wherever he is. He said he'd pay me 20 if I mentioned the trip. I don't know why. I was, I was in Colorado, and the funny part about this, Colorado is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, right? I mean, it's stunning. And it was on the way back away from Colorado. How, how many of you have made that drive? How many got really excited about that drive in western Kansas? All right, we got one. <laughs> All right, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Most people would say... That drive is a boring one, right? I mean, it's flat. There's not much going on. Like, there's not even that many cars because nobody wants to be there. You know, like, it, it's a struggle of a drive sometimes. And I'm driving back, and it's sunrise. Lexi's asleep. It's just us two in the car. <laughs> I was, there's nothing wrong with that. You can sleep. And I'm driving. And the song, So Will I, comes on. And the sun is coming up, and I'm looking out over this, like, landscape that many of us to believe, believe to be not the most beautiful, right? And there's just this moment where I'm like, God, here's a preface, here's the thing about me. I'm not always good at, like, seeing things. Like, I don't notice, like, things. Like, I'll come into the office sometimes, and Greg will be like, did you notice we changed this plant or whatever? I'm like... Nah, sorry. <laughs> or like hair, you know? I like, I'm just not good at it. So when I notice stuff, it like means a lot to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm driving back and I see this landscape and I just be able to feel God's presence. And I'm thinking about how I left this beautiful landscape and I'm looking at this one that many of us would be like, eh. And I'm like, God, you formed this. And these words came on. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises 
still falls shy, and it will. Then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. And I just like began to cry, and I cry easy, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> I begin to cry, and I immediately am like, I have to share this on Sunday. Because I believe that the easiest way for us to testify is that we are in a constant state of awe of who God is. That we remember who God has been and what he has done for us. And that propels us to say, when we see people that are broken, that need transformation from God in their life, Peter says something beautiful in the Bible. He says, I can't help but speak the things I've seen and heard because that's how good my God is. That's who my God is. So how can I walk around and hide that glory? How can I hide the one who created me? How can I hide the one who, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the furnace, he made fire feel like a day at the beach, right? He took Daniel, who was thrown into a lion's den for following him, and turned a lion into a house cat, right? When Paul was shipwrecked, not once, not twice, many times he was shipwrecked, he said, Paul, most people, I just feel like most people don't survive shipwrecks, right? I don't know. They didn't have, like, like emergency crews back then. He said, I don't care what the enemy throws at you, Paul. I am God, and the winds, the waves, they all obey me. That's our God. Can we get excited today about who our God is? That is the God that's worth testifying about. When you have a loved one that is on their deathbed, and they pass away. He's the one who rewrote the story from goodbye forever to I'll see you later. He's the one who took your addiction and he made it a chapter of your life and turned it, or not, am I saying that wrong? He took what you thought was going to be the whole story of your life and made it into a chapter, Right? He's the one who, when you felt alone, when you felt suicidal even, he said, the grave has no hold on me, and it doesn't have to have hold on you. I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in our story today, we find these guys, just some men, who were willing to believe that that's the God who could heal their friend. And what would it be like if we began to believe like them, to see our friends, our family, the ones that we felt deep on our heart to come to know God? We say, God, you did all that for Paul. You did that for Daniel. Would you do it for me? And it's this, can we look back at it? It says in the Bible, right here, when Jesus looks at them, he says, your sins are forgiven you, but it's prefaced by something. It says 
when he saw whose faith? Whose faith? Their faith. That wasn't a typo. He looked at this man and said, your friends had the faith to come and to bring you before me, and you have experienced me. Because of all of your faith, there is life change. Isn't that beautiful? Is that inspiring to you? Because you get to be a part of bringing people before Jesus, finding the roof, finding whatever way to get to them, lowering them down and saying, Jesus, what are you going to say? They're here. And Jesus says, because of your faith, somebody's life has changed. Can we believe that there are people in all of our lives that God is saying, why don't you just try out the roof? Why don't you try something radical for me? Why don't you get willing to go out on a limb and to look at and have people look at you and be like, what is with that dude? What is with that girl? That's Jesus girl. That's a weird person. And to bring people and to set them down before Jesus and say, hey, this person is going through this. Jesus looks at them, says, firstly, your sins are forgiven. And I love how Jesus speaks to something that they hadn't even expected. Can we believe today that in our minds, what we expect when we bring people to Jesus, God's going to go way over that. He says, I know you came for physical healing, but your faith has done so much more. Not only are you going to be walking and playing ball tomorrow, you're going to have relationship with me. Wow. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.